My favorites when they say we don't know what you got, but you got some kind of upper respiratory stuff. So we've had everybody's had a little bit of something this this week. And last night I got choked one time. I thought I was gonna about pass out before I could finally get to where I could breathe. So hey, I'm gonna try my best to get through this. Take your Bible flip to Romans chapter sixteen. Romans chapter sixteen. <coughs> it is Paul's finally his farewell here. As he's wrote this letter to the church at Rome, uh, he 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 gets to sixteen, gets to the end of the letter, and he he starts mentioning people. It's just a, it's a, it's a whole line for a little bit of uh, verses one through sixteen, talking about different people in the church and 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 the his greetings he gives. I want to look at this this morning, and I'm gonna tell you the title of my sermon is, is nobody. And I'll share a reason, reason with you why. And here we have a list. Paul starts off, he says, I commend unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sarissa, that ye receive her as the Lord becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For she has been a succor of many, and, and also my, myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give <coughs> thanks, but also all the churches, the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epineris, who is the first fruits of Acacia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who has bestowed much labor on us. Salute Ironicus and Julia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amphibolus, my beloved in the Lord. Salute your bane, our helper in Christ, and Satius, my beloved. Salute Apelius, above and approved in Christ, and salute them that are in the household of Aristobulus. Household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Typhiria and Trapelosia, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved in Persia which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Salute Antichrist and Belegon and Hermos and Atrobius and Hermes and the brethren which are with them. Salute Philegios and Julia and Nereus and his sister Olympus and all the saints that are with them. Salute one another with a holy kiss. Kiss the churches of Christ salutes you. Paul gives praise to a lot of these people. And, and you you got people like he first mentions here, like the first one, which is Phoebe, who, who is, is this woman that he gives high praise to. You know, he, he says she basically, she took care of many, and not only that, she took care of me, he said. He told them to receive her like you would anybody, everybody. 
You know, he, he tells us, reminds us of, of Priscilla and Aquila, who, you know, in the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 18, and he talks about that we're in. He said they, they risked their necks for him. And then, of course, you know, my favorite one is Mary. Of course, you know, we know there's a lot of Marys, so we don't know which Mary this one was, but it was Mary. And then, then he, he gives you Ephesus, the, the first convert of, of Acacia. You know, you think that would be pretty awesome. And then you got one that, that you might not realize, Rufus. He's the son of Simon, which was mentioned in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, where it says, And they compelled Simon, a Syrian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. So we mentioned somebody who we, we, we know a little bit more about his background. His dad carried the cross for Christ. And so that must have been a powerful thing because his whole household is mentioned in the Scripture. And so, so many here, you know, and you, you've got nearests, which, in, in, and I found it in 1895, there were two distinguished Romans who who were condemned because they were Christians. It was a husband and wife, and their chief servant <coughs> at that time was named Nerus, and it's believed he's the one who told them about the gospel. There's 28 names here that are written down. And, you know, 28 names of people who we don't know much about. And, and you know... If you look at them from the world side, who were they? They're nobody. They're a nobody. But I want you to think about something. But when you, you serve the Lord, think of this. They might be a nobody, but God cared enough about them that their names are forever mentioned in Scripture. We don't know anything about them that much, but, but God said, hey, I want you to know these people. I want you to know they existed. He could have just said, I want to salute all the Christians that are in Rome. But no, he named them. Why was that so important? Because God wants you to understand, you don't have to be this great somebody to be somebody in his eyes. You just got to be willing to do what they did. They served. They gave their all to Christ. And it wasn't for 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 recognition or, or anything like that. They did it, why? Because they loved the Lord. <coughs> and Paul mentions them, and now they're forever. Think, you think about this. He, he wrote of them in a letter. It wasn't like he was writing to publish a book. He didn't know what God was going to do with this epistle that he sent to the church, but he mentioned them to remind them. And, and I got to think, I said, you know, God, it, it's a reminder that, that we just need to be willing to, to, to do whatever you tell us to do, to, to do your will and, and to do it with the best of our abilities. How do you go from being a nobody to being somebody in God's eyes? And so this morning, I want to I share that with you. One of the things is, as churches, is we need to love. You know, if a church doesn't love or a Christian doesn't love, we're, we're, not, we're not just a nobody to the world, we're nobody to God. Tells us, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, he said this, 
He's talking to somebody. He said, what's the greatest commandment? He said unto them, thou shalt love the Lord thy God on Sundays and maybe on Wednesdays. No, that's not what he said. He said this. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Then he said a little more. He didn't just stop there. He said, and with all thine soul and with all my mind. Did you hear that? He said, you're in love with everything you've got. You, you know, you think about something. Do we always give our everything to everybody? Do you always give your sweetie pie everything? Not always. Do we always love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul? You think about that. If you love God with all your heart, that means everything about you should show that love. Because it's with your heart everything starts. That heart is what, what, what gives you life. It, it gives you the, 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 the blood that flows through you. So everything about you should be love. And then he, he said this. He said, not only with all that, but I want you to love me with all your mind. And I think as Christians, that's the hardest thing to do. Because we got so much going on, it's hard to stay focused. <coughs> How many of y'all can focus on more than one thing at a time? It, it amazes to me to watch kids sometimes. Man, they could be watching three or four TVs or playing a game and doing something, and they tell you everything that's on every one of them screens. Not me. I've just now mastered the ability to walk and chew gum at the same time. And I struggle with that. So if I get too much going on, my mind gets out of whack, and I'm not thinking right. So that's why God says, love me with all your heart. That's why he said that first. Because if you love them with all your heart, you should be able to love them with all your mind because that should be, if it's here, it ought to come to here. The mind controls your actions when you're doing things. So think about this. How many of us are loving all the time to other people? See, he said, I want your mind focused on me and focused on love. But then he said, not only that, he said, but your whole soul. The soul is a combination of all of you. It is what people will remember you for. Your soul is what touches other people. So think about this. How do people see you? How do they, what do they say? Do they look and say like, boy, that Steve's the grouchiest human being there ever was. I only hear that from Julie. You know, why? That's right. See, so, but how do I portray myself to people? How do I come across? If we could do what we're supposed to do, which is to love, is what Christ said, it'd be great. Because listen to what he said. He said this, he said, that is the first and greatest commandment. 
Then he told them, he said, the next one was just like it. <clears throat> he said, it was to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And, you know, uh, it, the, that ought to be kind of self-explanatory because I don't know nobody that don't like yourself that much. So, well, I know people said they hate you. No, truthfully, they don't. Because you, you, you take care of yourself. You know, I you tell I love, I, I like to eat. My body says eat. Guess what? You know, last night was the hardest drunk or treat I've ever done. Because usually I quality control sample the candy. Well, I will say I almost didn't, but somebody come and shoved a Kit Kat bar in my mouth and I had to eat it. And then for some reason, that little Snickers square come unwrapped and I couldn't waste it. I'll stop. <laughs> but it was hard because my body told me, you want that. And see, you take care, you listen to what it tells you a lot of times. So if you love yourself, you want to love your neighbor as much as you do you. So do we show love as we're supposed to? These people that Paul talked about, the service they gave. Listen, listen, Mary, who, like I said, we don't know which one it was, says, who bestowed much labor upon us. Do you know you can't serve someone unless you love them? We ought to love with such conviction that it's our testimony. Listen to what Jesus said about our love. John he says, the commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, <coughs> that you also love one another. By this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You want to know how people ought to tell if you're Christian? You shouldn't have to go introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm a Christian. And they go, really? It ought to be apparent. Because the love of Christ ought to be in your life so much that they know it. You know, we don't need any, under, any more undercover Christians. We need people to take the love of Christ into a world who don't understand what love is. Because they confuse love with a three-letter word. We need to show them that true love comes from the heart. You want to know what's wrong with America today? Is we don't know what love is anymore. We, we've changed things and corrupted what love stands for and, and, and said this, the kids will be okay. The kids weren't okay. We grew up. We're not okay. Our kids ain't okay. And their kids ain't okay because we have forgotten what God's love is. We need to love one another as Christ has told us to. Listen to Peter this. He said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. The word charity is the word love in the New Testament. 
Because then he says, for charity or love covers a multitude of sins. But I want to back up just a little bit. He said this, above all things, have fervent love among yourselves. If you can't love each other, how can we show love to the, to the world? So here, here, what was bad, I come up with this before I got real sick. So I'm going to have to use this another day. When's the last time you gave somebody here a hug? Don't do it today. Because a lot of us are still recovering. But how many of you have gone to somebody that you don't normally? Everybody in here has got certain people we all go talk to every Sunday. We all shake their hands. We all hug their necks. Have you ever picked somebody out you don't do that much of and go talk to them? Just say, I want you to know I love you. Just, just out of the blue. I just, I just want somebody you might not have ever hugged, just hug them and say, I love you. Because if we can't do that here, how can we go out there and show the world love? See, because if you want to you, you be a, a somebody in, in God's eyes, then you need to be able to love. The, the next thing I have is, is this. We need to serve. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 7 says this. He says, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You know, now here, <coughs> here, here I do know one thing. Not everybody has the same ability to do different, the same thing that all of us do. Not everybody can go outside and rat can cotton candy around their, their whole entire body. Not, not, not everybody can go in the back and play and teach the kids. Not everybody can sing, but everybody can serve. See, that's the one thing everybody can. So let me ask you a question. Do you know what God has allowed you to do? Say, well, I'm not really sure. Then maybe you need to say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Not for anybody in the church. Not to make Steve happy. Not to make the deacons happy. But to please the Lord. Because that's why we do it. That's why we, we do the things sometimes. And, and hey, I know some of you say, well, I, I've done and I've done and you never get recognized for it. There's people who do things that nobody ever says, hey, thank you. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you've done anything from everything, printed things, taught things, thank you. See, you didn't do it for me. You did it for God. Now, that's the thing. Yeah, and, you know, everybody likes a pat on the back. But we aren't storing up treasures here. We're doing it for God in heaven. Can you imagine what it will be like? Paul talked about receiving crowns. He said that all of our works pass through flames. And if it was done for the right purpose, then it lasts. If not, you stand there with, with ash in your hands. Can you imagine standing before the Lord? covered in ash because everything you did as an act of service was for you and not for him. 
So maybe we need to realize that what we got to do is serve him with all of our heart, just like we love him, all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. You know, it's you got to be willing, kind of like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, and when, when he's standing before the Lord and he's already tried to, to, to worm his way out of it, if you ever read it, it says, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, basically, I don't need to be here. And they, they purge his lips. And then finally, God said, shall we sin? And Isaiah realizes, hey, it's me. And he says this, he said in verse 6, chapter 6, verse 8, he said, I, also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? <coughs> Who will go for us? You ever thought about this? God did not need Isaiah. It's like this, God does not need Steve. But he said, who am I going to send? But what he wants is someone to be willing. And Isaiah, now think about it. I want you to picture this. Isaiah standing in the throne room, and according to Isaiah's description, there ain't nobody else with him. Have you ever thought about that? And God says, who shall we send? Who will go for us? Well, it was kind of obvious, wasn't it? But Isaiah had to be willing to say, I'll go. I will. He said, here I am. Send me. You ever realize sometimes what God wants you to do is obvious right in front of you. And that's what he's called you to do. Say, Lord, here I am. I'll do it. Because here's what happens. Every once in a while, you get burnt out doing something. And every once in a while, you need to realize that's what God's called you to do. If what it is is straightening the tissue boxes every Sunday, do it with all your heart and be joyful. That's what God says you can do. To get up in the morning and straighten them tissue boxes. He gave you the strength to get up and go knock on doors. Some of you could talk to a brick wall. Why don't you go and bite some people that you never even met to church? Well, we used to. Yeah, we used to. Guess what? But God ain't changed. So we, and now, hey, I, I, now, I, I know this because we talked about this this morning. Sometimes you can't go do it, but guess what? There are other people. So what we're going to start, we're going to put up a bulletin board. I think I'm going to put it out here so everybody will see it. And we're going to have it names and addresses of people you know that need somebody to go see them. Then I want somebody to go up there and say, that's close to me, I'll take it. Draw a line through it. Because ain't nobody here can't talk. Ain't nobody here can't say, hey, you want to come to church with us? Because you never know. You say, well, well, preacher, I've done that and they never came. Somebody else might have. Be willing. You think about this. Isaiah didn't want to go to that stick neck group of people to tell them the ones he told didn't listen but other people heard and did they might not even come to this church but guess what you might be what reminds them they need to get in God's house and he sends them elsewhere if you're obedient he'll do it so, so here I am send me he said and get this. Uh, my, I, I, I come up with this one this week. How many of you are willing to build a boat in the middle of a, a desert? 
Noah went out in the middle of the woods and built the boat. He didn't build it in the water. He didn't build it close to water. It took a long time. People came by and harassed him day after day. Why are you building a boat? <coughs> it's going to rain. What's that? God said, you need to repent. It's going to rain. And then he kept on, and he kept on, and he kept on. Till God said, Noah, you and your family, get on. People didn't realize how serious it was. I mean, you think about this. Noah built the ark. He never stopped. There was not water around. He built it in the middle of the woods or in the middle of the desert, wherever it was, and, and he built it. Animals started showing up. I mean, I don't know about y'all. Probably the town folks probably thought that was a bit weird. And they all got on the boat. And when God shut it, the rain started. I want to have faith like that. So if God says, Steve, go build a boat in the middle of the desert, would you go do it? If God said, go do this, would you go do it? If he told you to stop and get out of your car, talk to this individual sitting on a curb on the side of the road, would you do it? Or would you be like me sometimes, drive around a couple times and say, well, maybe they'll leave. And after about two hours, they got scared and left because they thought I was stalking them. How many times we do that instead of doing what God wants us to do? Do we will we will we do what God's told us to do? Would you would you would you do whatever He told you to do? You know He told because li listen to the story. Of this God said to Noah, "Then all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them in the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood." And Big to build it. Do you notice if you ever read the story, he didn't say I'm going to make it rain. He didn't say I'm going to make it flood. He just said build an ark. And you get down to verse 22, and listen to what verse 22 says. And it said this. <clears throat> Thus did Noah complain and gripe and grumble and wondered why. Noah says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him to do. God said, build it, he built it. God said, Abraham, go, he went. God says, I want you to, will you do what he says? One of the biggest things about these people that, that, that Paul mentioned is that they changed. You ever notice God sometimes wants you to change? You know why most Christians don't want to serve the Lord with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul? Why they don't want to love with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul? Because they're afraid of change. There ain't none of us that is not afraid of change. Ladies, how many of you have gone and got a haircut and worried what everybody's going to think when you come to church? And husbands, how many times have you heard them complain when nobody said nothing about it when you left? We're all worried about change. You know, sometimes what God wants people to do is he wants them to change the people they're around, their friends. Listen to what Job said. Job said in Job 19, verse 19, he said, All my inward friends abhor me. They whom I love 
turned against me. You know what that was? Because Job refused. Refused to curse God. Refused to blame him. He questioned. He wondered. But it was never God's fault. People didn't understand that. Christian, sometimes maybe you got some friends that are bringing you down. You know what always gets me is these these people who say, "Well, well, I hang out with these because because I I I, I want to reach them for Jesus. I want to change them. Guess what? They're gonna change you before you change them. So maybe if you're watching this, maybe this is what you need to do. You need to look at who God's got you around and, and realize what you need is to surround yourself with children of God." Yeah, but, but I've known these people all my life. Pray for them. Find who God wants you to be around. Jesus said this, John 15, 14, if you are my friend, you will do whatever I command you. Sometimes you got to listen to what he says. We're trying to do what you want to do. Some of us need to Proverbs 13, 13 says this, He that keepeth his mouth, keepeth his life. I think that's one of the most profound proverbs there is. He says, He, he that opens his wide his lips shall have destruction. And I've thought about that. And I said, you know, Lord, there's been many times I wished I would not have said what I said when I said it because I was too stupid to wait. What God's wanting us to do sometimes, if you don't love him with all
got to you got to really worry how you say it. Got one little set of words. Sometimes we got to change our attitude. Listen to this. I want to share a verse with you. It sounds kind of strange to start with. It's Ezekiel chapter 16. It's verse 49. 50. It says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. For they were haughty and committed abominations. Me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. I read that verse, those verses, and, 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 and I, I read them over, and I read them over, and I said, you know what it's basically saying? He, he's talking about the northern kingdom. And he said the northern kingdom got away from everything that was right. God tried to warn them. He said, so finally I took them away. And then God reminded me some mistake. Sometimes I, I've tried to get you to change the way you do things, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you see things, because I want you to see them the way I see them. I want you to do what I want you to do. But if you don't, I will remove you. I will take away my hand the blessing on you. And then where will you be? You see, the only way you can do what God wants you to do sometimes is to change your attitude. Because a lot of us say, well, there's nothing wrong with me, it's so-and-so. There's nothing wrong with me, it's them over here. There's nothing wrong with me, I'm doing it right. And God's telling tell you the whole time, no, thing is, you're not seeing, all you see is yourself, but you don't see what's happening around you. You need to change your attitude, and the attitude needs to be one of humbleness. To God, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do, I will surrender. That song we sing, I Surrender All. If you ever thought about it, and I know everybody has at least mumbled the words as we've sung, you've made a commitment when you sing it. I surrender all. Paul said this. He said, do all things without murmuring and disputing. Why? That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke midst of crooked and perverse nation. The last one. We need to change our hearts. You have problems with that heart. That's what we're all talking about. Love the Lord God. I will tell them 
Father, I ask you to be with each person here. Lord, there are some here that just need to do your business, touch, or something, just need some encouragement. Lord, we pray for the families that have lost loved ones. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a good family. Lord, so many Lord, I pray today that you will see you. Thank you again for all that you do. Watch over us as we leave.